Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the second edition of Hollywood Swinging with Stephen Bishop and Jerry Hairston Jr. I am your host, Stephen Bishop, alongside, as always, my ever dapper and debonair co-host, Jerry Hairston Jr., a.k.a. the J. Hay Kid, a.k.a. the Legacy, a.k.a. a five-time Emmy winner. Jerry, how you doing today? I'm doing great, Stephen. How you doing, man? I'm doing really well. Uh, Jerry, the first episode, the Barry Bonds, the GOAT episode, has done extremely well. We want to thank uh, Barry for for coming on and and being as candid as he was. The response has been outstanding. Um, You know, I I read somewhere that uh, a million people over various platforms voted on whether or not Barry should be in the Hall of Fame based on our interview and what he said in it. And 800,000 people voted that Barry Bonds should be in the Hall of Fame. Amazing. You know, and and I'm glad that you brought that up, Stephen. And and obviously we want to thank Barry for being so candid uh, and being real, you know, showing his feelings and what he felt uh, today. And and really, and I want to thank the fans, too, uh, on various platforms, voting and and voicing that they want to see Barry Bonds in the Hall of Fame. Now, obviously, if it was 60 percent, that would be amazing. When you're talking about 70 80% 80% want to see Barry Bonds in the Hall of Fame. That, that's something else. And I know Dan Patrick's show, uh, we'd like to thank them as well uh, for putting Barry on and, and, and Hollywood Swinging. And they had a poll. Uh, and they asked, should Barry Bonds be in the Hall of Fame? And more than 70% answered that poll as saying that they want to see Barry Bonds in the Hall of Fame. So, Stephen, the people, the people are, have spoken – and they want to see Barry Bonds in the Hall of Fame. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and, and like you said, shout out to the Dan Patrick Show. Also, you know, shout out to Sports Illustrated and Bleacher Report and NBC Sports and Yahoo Sports and all of the outlets that, that picked it up and, and called us out by name. Uh, it's, you know, hey, it's a, a great way to get started. Today, Jerry, we've got another big guest. This guy is just, you know, the fact that we got this guy is amazing. It's it's such an honor to have somebody of his caliber on our show. Uh, you, quite frankly, Jerry, it must have been your influence and your your reputation that got him here because you know he has no idea who I am. But after today, he will. Jerry, this guy grew up in Belmore, New York, where he attended John F. Kennedy High School. He's a 1989 graduate of University of Michigan and a graduate of Northwestern University's Medill School of Journalism. Uh, According to USA Today survey of fans published in 2009, he was NFL Network's, he he actually edged Chris Mortensen of ESPN for best NFL insider, despite the NFL Network being less than half as many households at the time. Uh, He was named most influential tweeter in New York by New York Magazine in February of 2014 and best newsbreaker by the sports media website Awful Announcing in, his second, in its second annual People's Sports TV Award winners in May, and SportsIllustrated.com's Media Person of the Year. This guy could be called the oracle of the NFL. I, he may have been. For some reason, that rang in my head, so I just said it. He may have been, he may have been called that. Ladies and gentlemen, Adam Schefter. Adam, how are you today? 
Stephen, thank you for those kind words. I have to take exception because you said that I wouldn't know who you are, but didn't you have a brief minor league baseball career with the Braves and Orioles? Wow. Didn't didn't you have that? Wow. Well, hold and on. That's why hold you're on. the Oracle. That's hold why on. you're the Oracle. I did. Were you right. in Moneyball? I was. Okay. I, I stand corrected. You are the but Oracle you for in a safe reason. House? Weren't you in Safe House with Safe House with Denzel Washington? I was. Wow. Yeah. Okay, Jerry, Jerry. And the rundown Jerry. with The Rock, right? <laughs> okay. I give. Right. I, I yield. I don't know who you are, Stephen. I have I no idea who you are. <laughs> I yield. I yield. <laughs> oh, wow. Adam, that's amazing. Thank you. That's why, that's why I, I mean, before we go any further, have you been called the Oracle? By you. That's okay, <laughs> well, then I, I coined the term Adam Schefter is the oracle of NFL news. Uh, it, it's such a, a pleasure to have you today. Um, you know, somebody that I, I watch on television. I, you know, a good buddy of Jerry's and mine is Stan Verrett. We play golf with him all the time. So, you know, nice I'm, I, my, my TV is on ESPN quite a bit. And you have been there for, for so many things that I've seen. So it's such a pleasure to have you here. Um, Jerry. Say hi to Adam. Adam, what's going on? Hey, I'm, that's extremely impressive, you know, to rattle off all the stuff that, that Stephen has done. Uh, I wouldn't even guess that. But again, <laughs> your, your experience, your knowledge of so many different things, not just in the sports world, but also in the acting world. Uh, calling out Safe House with Denzel Washington, that, that was impressive. I didn't see that coming. Well, there you go. You're a 15-year major leaguer for you, Jerry. Orioles, Yankees. I see the 17, the 6, the 12 behind you. I see, well, are those Emmy Awards, too? Like, what's what's over yeah. your left shoulder there? You've won three Emmys? Well, well technically, four, uh, uh, and Adam, and then the fifth one is on its way. But, again, that's just not me. That's our team, you know, doing Dodgers uh, well, hold TV. Hold on, hold on, hold on. So you now have had a 15-year major league baseball career and have won five more Emmys than me, Jerry. Well, again, I'm not going to say that I did it. Remember, our team did it. Our okay. team, you know, doing okay. the Dodgers TV. And, you know, again, you see that this in the background here, yeah. that's not of my doing. That's my sister and my sister-in-law. They decorated this. Obviously, I don't have any <laughs> wow. anything to do with stuff like that. So I got to credit my, my sister and my sister-in-law. They're the ones who basically decorated my house because I got no uh, creative uh, tool in, in my bag. I see a football, a yes. frame football. What, what is that about? Well, I played for the Baltimore Orioles. I came up with Baltimore. I played with Cal Ripken. I was there for about seven, eight years. And during that time, some guy named Ray Lewis uh, was, was there, was, was in his heyday, and he was pretty good. I used to leave his mom tickets to, uh, to the Oriole games. She used to love coming to, 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 come, come to the Oriole games. And I would go to see uh, Ray Lewis practice every once in a while. I lived in Owings Mills. Yeah. Where the uh, yeah. where the Ravens practice, so wow. I'd go out there. So I would run into Brandon Stokely, Todd Heat back in the day. Yeah, yeah, uh, those guys. So that's Ray Lewis. That's a signed Ray Lewis autographed uh, football. And for my graduation, I grew up in Chicago. My dad played for the White Sox. Uh, so for my high school graduation, my dad got me a signed autograph basketball for Michael Jordan. So that's awesome. Those are good pretty for you. two good things. So well, you you got more career accomplishments than me more emmys than me and more no no 
great souvenirs than me. So you're 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 winning life there, Jerry. Adam, we, we talk about let's say the ballpark. I'm not in in your in in the same ballpark as you. So let's talk about you. <laughs> yeah. uh, Hold on, you, wait, wait. You, Before we start, Jerry, I have to I have to ask you permission. Can I now start saying five time Emmy Award winner? Yeah, absolutely. In, in your introduction, can I do that? Even, no, it, can it's we a mistake stop? Not Why to? We, first of all, no, no, no. Let's stop. Get get. Let's get off me for a second. Let's talk about Adam. You know, I want to talk about your Michigan days. <laughs> I want to talk about your Michigan days, yeah. you know, and I want to bring up Michigan football. You know, is it going to get back to the glory? Because when I grew up in the get 90s, back, get back. Well, no, hold on a second, hold on a second. I know Jim get Harbaugh back. starting to, yeah, Jim Harbaugh starting to. He had a rough go of it. Now, Jim Harbaugh had a rough go of it at the start, but are they going to be title Jerry, contenders? They've been back. They've been back. They've been to the Final Four the last two years. They've beaten Ohio State the last two years. Yeah, that was a rough go of it for a little while. Yeah. There were a lot of people calling for Jim's head, which was crazy all along, I thought. But they've been to the national championship, the Final Four, uh, the last two years. They haven't won. but Haven't won. That's okay. They're building. They're going the right way. And they're going to get better and better and stay where they are. And, yeah, I'm, I'm optimistic about their future. They because I'm a huge Jim Harbaugh fan. You know, I'm a huge Jim Harbaugh fan. I loved him when he was a Bears quarterback. Uh, I thought Cap he did Captain an incredible Comeback. job. Exactly. I thought he did an incredible job with Stanford, incredible yeah. job with the 49ers. And I was I wanted him to be the Bears head coach. How so about the this? reason why I asked, because Jerry. I want him yeah. to take go ahead. You want to you want to take what? I want him to take Michigan back, you know, to be champions. That's what I'm he looking has. for. He has. He has and he'll get there. Title. He has yeah. and he'll get there. But I was gonna say to you, Jim Harbaugh was quarterback at Michigan when I was a freshman there. So I watched him play quarterback in college. That's how old I am right now, right? Wow. So I remember sitting in the freshman section, my freshman year, 1985, University of Michigan, Jim Harbaugh throwing touchdowns to John Colazar, you know, my wow. friends and I cheering him on. So uh, we've been following and tracking Jim Harbaugh for 38 years now. That's, 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 that's pretty wild when you think about it. And you look, and you look like you're 35 years of age. You look great. 56, 56. Thank you. So, Adam, were you an athlete? Were you a football player? What did you do? What what sparked your interest in sports so heavy that you end up being one of the, the best reporters in the world? Well, thank you, Stephen. You know, it's funny. I, I just got back late last night from Michigan. Um, I had to go to a charity golf tournament uh, for the Jewish Sports Federation, uh, the Michigan Jewish Sports Federation, and it was this Hank Greenberg Award where they honored – um, Roger Clemens with the Hank Greenberg Award and they gave me an award. Jeremy Schaap presented it to me and it was the Dick Schaap Media Excellence Award and Dick Schaap was somebody that I idolized in the media and Jeremy is a colleague of mine who I have great respect for and, and so they honored Roger and myself in Michigan and I told the people the story last night and it's true and I've told this before but uh, it just kind of stays with me because you asked what sparked my interest in this. Yeah, I played I played high school basketball. I ran high school track. Um, you know, I wasn't going to make it in athletics playing, certainly. And when I went to Michigan, I tried to join a fraternity the first semester of my freshman year. And there were like 50 guys going for about 10 spots, and I didn't get in. And so I went down to the football office to volunteer my services there to pick up jock straps and hand out water bottles and do whatever it is that a manager would do. And they didn't need anybody. And so I went to the basketball office 
to see if they needed somebody to do that. And they didn't need anybody. So now that the fraternity and the football office and the basketball office all said, no, I'm like, well, what am I going to do? I can do something because I've always liked to stay busy. And I thought about it. I thought about it. And I said, you know what? Let me go volunteer for the student newspaper. And that's how I got into media purely by accident, by rejection, because nobody else would have me. And because the student newspaper, the Michigan Daily, didn't turn away anybody. And so I went down to the Michigan Daily, started writing for the college newspaper, kind of liked it, and fell more and more in love with the writing process of it and thought it was so cool that I got to kind of be around some of these great athletes and great men like Bo Schembechler. Um, And it just kind of gave me the bug. I followed that. I pursued that. I didn't go to Michigan setting out to become a sports writer, thinking that I'd become a sports reporter. It was nothing like that. It really happened by accident. And uh, here we are today, some, like I said, 38 years later, after I started as a freshman at Michigan in 1985. And uh, I feel very blessed and privileged, but I had no idea that this would be the path that I would wind up walking down. No idea. You know, you talk about staying busy. You know, we watch you all the time. Really, the globe watches you all the time with uh, the NFL being so huge as it is. We see you with multiple phones. What is the most hectic time period? Is it the trade deadline? Is it the NFL draft, the combine? What is the day that's like, man, this is going to be, or the week, where I'm not going to sleep in the next four or five days. Mm-hmm. Where I got to make sure that I'm on my phone because I'm always looking at your tweets, seeing what's the next thing. You know, are the Bears going to make a move? Who are the Bears going to draft? Because I'm a Bears fan. Right. What is that week, that hectic week that you say, man, I'm not sleeping this week? Well, I always think about it like this. Uh, first of all, the NFL is a beast in and of itself. And the NFL has really done a great job at learning how to control the NFL news cycle making the release of the schedule in mid-May an event, um, turning the combine in February into an event. These were things that were afterthoughts when I first started out in the business in 1990. And now the day that the NFL releases the schedule is like one of the most popular days of the year. People flip out over games that we already know are happening. We just don't have the time sequence that they're in. But when you talk about the busiest times, in my mind, I always think, there are three times that to me are the most hectic. And I take out the regular season where there's ESPN Sunday NFL countdown on Sunday and ESPN Monday night countdown on Monday. And there's get up and sports center NFL live all during the week, things to do, right? That's always there, but there's a certain rhythm and routine during the season that if you said to me, what are you going to be doing Friday at three eleven PM? I can tell you in season what I'm going to be doing at almost any minute of a day of the week because it's it's pretty predictable other than unexpected news events that happened. But the three busiest times of the year in the NFL world, easily, number one, in order, I would say the, the two, three weeks of free agency leading up to it and then during it because it's a nonstop cycle of news that begins in early March and goes till later in March where you have all the free agents changing teams, teams making trades, contract extensions being signed, players being released. It's just mass movement in March. That, to me, is always the single busiest time of the year, that two, three-week stretch. The second busiest time would be at the end of the regular season when you get coaches being fired and coaches being hired, general managers being fired, general managers being hired. 
and you have playoff games where we have pregame shows on ESPN, ABC, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. So whereas during the season, there's a show on Sunday and Monday, now it's like Saturday, Sunday, Monday, in the midst of playoff games and firings and hirings. And that's a two to three week stretch that I think is also incredibly busy. And the last would, of course, would be the NFL draft, you know, the two weeks leading up to it and then the actual draft itself. Now, again, there are other times that unexpectedly flare up and all of a sudden they could be busy for a few days because something crazy happens, a big trade, uh, somebody's in trouble, somebody's getting suspended for gambling. You don't know what's going to happen. But those times, free agency, end of the regular season draft, to me, are the three times that stand out to me. When you have something like you just mentioned, somebody gets suspended or some kind of shocking thing mm-hmm. happens and, and you're the guy that breaks it. Do you have relationships with people and agreements with people that say, okay, look, you're going to tell me first. Okay. No. Let, let me be the one you tell no. first. And do they have to go, do they have somebody that says, okay, go tell Schefter or do they just do it on no. their own? Do you have I mean, any idea? No, how no, that no, works? no, no, no. I don't think, I don't mean either of those is accurate. Like people, you know, things happen and sometimes people want to share the news and sometimes people don't want to share the news. Inevitably, the news is almost always going to come out. Uh, but there are different ways that it's delivered and there are different ways that people want it delivered. Like if Jerry just thinks back to his time as a baseball player, there are a lot of events unfolding around him. Uh, the media almost always finds out anyway. Uh, sometimes things can be kept secret, though it's harder and harder to keep a secret in this day and age, I think. So inevitably things are going to get out. And so I often think, you know, people are better served if they could kind of control the message a little bit rather than having it controlled on them. So it, I don't think it's like, I've never said to somebody, you know, know, like you just said, Stephen, you're giving me that story. I'm going to be, whatever they want to do. It's like, it's their information. If they want, if they want to come to me, I know it's going to be uh, handled in a professional manner. If they don't, they don't. And that's the way I feel about it. Well, that's when you say that that you can, you know, you there's a, a way to control the story instead of having this the story control you. I know sometimes yeah. they keep it too close to the vest and it, it ultimately, like you said, gets out. But it's uncanny that it gets out to you a lot. You know what I mean? And so that's why I was wondering if there was a situation because you see on on <clears throat> on movies and television shows about sports writing or any kind of uh, news reporting that they have these relationships with insiders that they, they, you know, they take to lunch and they, they, you know, you'll hear them say in, in a, well, in you, a know, you know, what, what I would say to that, Stephen, I, I've been doing this job for 33 years. I've covered the NFL since 1990. So there are a lot of relationships you have with a lot of different people. And I'm fortunate and feel honored that they understand my job. So inevitably if something happens sometimes, I, I always find it more, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Touching, moving, thoughtful, general. Like when somebody calls me and they'll be like, hey, you know, just want to give you a heads up. You know, this trade's coming down or this deal's getting done. or And I, like I, I sometimes, of course, I'm checking on that. But other times it's blind. Like somebody will call you with something like, oh, boy, I didn't know this was happening. Yeah, I want to give you a heads up. And honestly, I'm more honored that they would even think of me. That means more than getting any story. Like, wow, you thought of me to call me? Like, that's really nice. 
I appreciate that because they trust you and they know they're going to get the they know whatever reason, get Jerry. The, you're yeah, gonna get you know, the well, I can tell you as an athlete and yeah. being in, in part of an organization, the reason why teams do that is because they trust you and they know you're going to be accurate with the information. So I know you're being extremely humble with this answer, but I'll, I'll answer it for you because teams trust you because you always try to make sure 100% you're going to get the story right. Well, you try to be accurate. You try to be fair. You try to be professional. And I'm sure not everybody is always pleased. And I'm sure there have been people, I know there have been people that have been upset with me over something, of course, but inevitably I, I'm comfortable with my body of work over 33 years. How about that? You know, that's amazing. That 33 years. And I want to ask you this question. You've seen a lot in, in this sport. You've seen that the NFL continue to explode and grow in its popularity. We've seen the changing of the guard. Now that Peyton Manning is gone. Now that, uh, Tom Brady just recently retired. Now we have a, a, a new crop of young uh, superstars in this game. Patrick Holmes, incredible talent. And, and we saw Jalen Hurts, what he did last year. Yep. And now do you see, the, the, especially at the quarterback position, a plethora of young guys really taking the throne and, and really enhancing that position and taking it from guys like Peyton Manning and, 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 um, and Tom Brady? Well, you know, it's funny when I first started covering the league, like the big guns were John Elway, Dan Marino, Jim Kelly, Joe Montana, Steve Young. And then they eventually, one by one, left the game and people wondered what kind of hands the future would be in. And all of a sudden there was Peyton Manning and Tom Brady and Drew Brees and others to carry the torch. And just like they left the game, there are now guys like Patrick Mahomes and Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert and Jalen Hurts to carry the torch and, and Justin Fields, Justin and, Fields and, and Justin Fields. <laughs> um, so th th there, there always are going to be great quarterbacks. And to me, that's the most important position in all of sports with all due respect to any position in any sport. I'm, I'm sorry. Like quarterback is the single most important position because they have their hands on the ball on every single play and make the decisions that largely determine whether a team wins and loses. Um, and so if you, it's really pretty simple. If you have a great quarterback in the NFL, you're always going to have the chance to win a game and be competitive. And if you don't, you're always going to be on the outside looking in. And that's just the way the sport operates and works. And, you know, I think back to when I started covering the Denver Broncos in 1990 for the Rocky Mountain News. And there was a great newspaper man who worked for the Denver Post by the name of Joe Sanchez. And I came in there. And they're telling me I've got to write two to three stories a day, every single day about the Denver Broncos. Now, I never had to do that for my college newspaper, the Michigan Daily, write two or three things a day, every day. And when you're coming in and you're 22, 23 years old, and you're thinking, I've got to write two or three things. I said to Joe at the time, Joe, I, how do you do that? Like, how, how do you know what to write about? And he said to me at the time, some sage advice, he said, when you don't know what to do, when you're in doubt, just write about the quarterback because people always care about the quarterback. And it's true. And you know what? 33 years later, if I don't know what I'm going to be talking about on ESPN, just go to the quarterback because mm -hmm. that's always where it starts from uh, a news perspective and from a team perspective. He's important to that team and he's important to our coverage of that team. What would you say is your favorite 
breaking news story that you've presented us with in the world? What in your career do you do you have a you know, favorite? You know, do you have I, one that's been the most impactful? Yeah. What what do you think is your favorite one? Well, I, I don't have one uh, because I'm I'm honestly just uh, proud of the fact that I've been able to do this for 33 years. So um, I'll let other people go over that. Like like asking you you know a quarterback his best throw is favorite. There, I love any story that I've gotten. Like there, and you just like coaches remember plays, uh, reporters remember stories. So, um, whatever it is, I want to ask who's been the best interview. It could be a player, it could be a coach. Man, I just really love talking to this guy. This guy always gives me not only insightful information, but man, he's just a joy to cover. Hmm. Well, you know. <laughs> It's funny. I said, I'm flying back with Jeremy Schapp last night. We were talking about Shannon Sharp. Uh, just, you know, because there's not one, right? But when I started out in Denver in 1990, uh, I believe he was the Broncos' seventh-round draft pick in 1990. So he came to Denver in 1990, and I came to Denver in 1990. And I would always gravitate toward his locker, and I would always want to talk to him. And I'd always want to write about Shannon back in 1990. And I, and I think back to it, how dumb and naive I was that – here I was wanting to write about the third, fourth string rookie tight end that really probably nobody cared about, but I did because he was so captivating back then. And so, um, you know, th there's always somebody that you kind of have an affinity for, uh, somebody that you like. And talking to him back in the day when I was a young cub reporter and didn't know very much of anything, uh, that was always a lot of fun. But I loved everybody that I covered with the Denver Broncos, all those players like they – those guys, I, I tell people that I got my undergraduate degree from uh, Michigan. I got my graduate degree from Northwestern, and I got my master's in football from the Denver Broncos because I was around that team every day for almost 16 years, you know, all the players and all the coaches. And so that was always a lot of fun to be around them. You know, in the modern day, you know, post-pandemic, there's not as much personal contact with people. So it's a lot of texting. It's a lot of calls. It's not as personal as it was back then. Um, but of course, you know, like Larry Fitzgerald was always gracious and classy. Tom Brady's a great guy. Like not only a great quarterback, he's a great guy. Um, Sean McVay is really captivating to listen to. You know, there are people that I've known since they were little. Boy, Kyle Shanahan was a ball boy in Denver. You know, when I covered that team, Mike McDaniel was a ball boy in Denver when I covered that team. Like I've known those guys since they were like little boys. So again, it's just, it's the body of work, the longevity of the years and getting to see people grow and watch them uh, along their career trajectories and being able to kind of witness it and have an up close seat to it is kind of neat. Tom Brady was drafted ahead of me in baseball out of high school. I've told him he was a really good uh, first. Mont Montreal Expos. Mont Montreal Expos. And I, and I don't know if you're aware of this, but John Elway, incredible athlete he was this close of of staying with the yankees and not pursuing uh football i don't know if you're aware I, of that am i aware of that jerry there was no more figure more important in my <laughs> life for eight nine years than john elway i know everything about it. of course i know that about john i was elway. being a little sarcastic adam i was being sarcastic but i mean john it's just elway, amazing yeah john elway, yeah, he was a joy to cover too like always professional always professional and and then you know we we developed a more meaningful relationship over time and, and uh, i love john and he and and 
there are not many, if any, people that were better athletes than John Elway. Yeah. I know the boss, uh, George Steinbrenner, just was begging yeah. him, yeah. begging him to stay with the Yankees. But obviously he had a pursue at Hall of Fame uh, football career. So I, I think he made the right choice. It worked out okay for him, I think. Yeah, I, you know, he, it would have worked out. He was such a talented athlete. He would have been a Hall of Famer in baseball. You know, just talking to scouts. You think, you think he would have been a Hall of Famer in baseball? Yes, every, everybody wow. says that. Wow. Obviously, he had the rocket arm. Yep. Incredible left-handed hitter. Some scouts compared him uh, from the left side. Mickey Mantle. Uh, to Mickey, Mickey Mantle. You, you beat me to it. <laughs> That's what type of athlete he was. So, you know, he was that type of athlete that he could have been a Hall of Famer in, in, in baseball. But obviously, you know, uh, being a Hall of Fame quarterback was was pretty good as well. I wanted to ask you, what he, what has your, your relationship been like with him being now, uh, you know, when he was running the Denver Broncos in, in that franchise, making that transition from being a quarterback to, to running that franchise? Well, he, he's no longer really a part of the yeah. franchise anymore. But that that was a really cool thing. Like, as a reporter, you know, I remember, like, getting John Elway's phone number and thinking, wow, like I got John's number. And then it became – to the point where, you know, we talk on a regular basis. Um, and that was, that was really um, gratifying is the word I'm looking for, because here's a guy that, you know, I grew up watching, you know, I'll tell you a quick story about that. I have the picture. 1983, I was studying in Israel for the summer, 1983. So I would have, I was my 80, no, 87, 87. I was a sophomore at Michigan. I went and took extra credits in Israel one summer. And the plane ticket was such that you you could lay over, stop over somewhere on the way home. So I was with this uh, woman and we decided that we were going to stop off in London in August of 1987. And we were walking down the street and I'm like, oh my God, you're not going to believe this. There's John Elway. He was wearing a red Patagonia jacket. I had on a yellow sweater. And I know this because I went, I said, Mr. Elway, Mr. Elway, uh, can I take a picture with you? And we took a picture, which I still have on my phone from 1987. So in 87, you know, I would have been um, 21 years old. And he was, well, he's probably five years older than me. So he would have been about 25, 26 even playing the Broncos were playing a preseason game against the Rams in London that summer, that week. I happened to just bump into him on the street. I was blown away, took a picture. I showed him the picture uh, in the mid nineties and he got a kick out of that because here I was meeting this guy that would become professionally speaking, this central figure in my life that I just happened to run into on a street and took a picture with in 1987. It was kind of cool to me. So, Adam, we, we, we've heard Denver many times. You obviously have strong, strong ties to yeah. Denver. How, how about those Nuggets, man? I love that for them. Let me tell you something. It was awesome to watch. You know, I, 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 I had been to a number of Nuggets games. I watched that franchise reach for and fall short of winning the ring. And this team just was that much better than all the great Nugget teams that had been there before with David Thompson and Dan Issel, and Fat Lever, and Chris Jackson, Mahmoud Abdul-Raouf, and Lafonso Ellis, and we could go through here. Like, I have tracked that team for a long time. So 
I'm really happy for that organization, for all the players who came before them, for the city that supported them, the Kemby Matumbo, and like all these players that came to mind. I went to playoff games. I covered playoff games for that team. Um, and if I didn't have to be in Michigan on Monday uh, for that charity event, I would have loved to have been in Denver on Monday night at Ball Arena to watch that franchise win its first NBA title in 47 years. It was awesome to see. I uh, congratulate all of them. And Jokic is ridiculous. Guy is unbelievable. Unbelievable. Un and, and by the way, when he made the shot against the Lakers in the Western Conference Finals, it was a falling away three. I said to myself, that was the equivalent of John Elway doing the helicopter dive in Super Bowl 32 against the Green Bay Packers. When he made that shot, I said, well, they're winning this game and they're going to win the championship. That's how I felt. The same way that when John Elway did the dive in the Super Bowl, I said, they're not going to lose this game. And Jokic is as good at his sport as Elway was in his, and that's saying something because John was a legendary figure. Um, but I'm really happy for the Denver Nuggets and the city of Denver and the state of Colorado. And yeah, my ties there, having lived there for 16 years, of course that uh, plays into it because I love that place. That shot you just described, he hit it over Anthony Davis and Anthony Davis gave him a look. And I think we all knew I was right. The Lakers. I think we all knew that the, the Denver team was on to something special this season. And you're right. Jokic, I mean, incredible athlete, incredible ball player, and he's a humble superstar too, which is which is which is pretty cool to see. I know Adam, you got to get going. Uh, one last question for, for me, you know, coming up to this season with the NFL, we talk about the stars, Patrick Mahomes. You know, he's an established star. Is there one guy that you're looking at this year that you feel is going to break out this season? Um. Well, there, there are so many good ones, right? Um, I'll, I'll say this. It, it's not really a breaking out kind of thing, but I think so much attention has been given to Justin Jefferson, and rightfully so. Guys, superstar, phenom phenomenal player. Um, I think that Jamar Chase hasn't gotten as much attention as he should. They were college teammates, and I think Jamar Chase is as good as Justin Jefferson. And... Um, I don't know. Do, do, do we talk about him in that same light right now? Maybe not exactly, not far off, but I'm, I'm a huge Jamar Chase guy. Love that guy as a wide receiver. Think he's fantastic. And Jamar and, and, you know, and, and Justin Jefferson's also fantastic, but those two guys played, oof, man, holy cow. Is that, is that good? Tell me a better college wide receiver duo than those two guys ever playing together. My last thing for you, Adam, is is more of a statement than a question. I just wanted to let you know um, the respect that I have for you and what you do. I, you know, little known fact about me, Jerry, you don't even know this. Uh, when I was in college, I played in the Great Lakes League. I played in Salina, Ohio for the Grand Lake oh. Mariners. And for my uh, summer job, when I wasn't playing, I worked for the Daily Standard, which is the newspaper there in Salina. And I got to write for them and do some some stuff for them. I got a few features written. And I, another thing that I did was I got to co-host uh, His and Hers with Jamel Hill on ESPN wow. when, Michael, when Michael Smith was out. And I, I got to learn through both of those jobs how much 
research you guys do, you, you guys that are reporters and, and sportscasters in general. My father was a sportscaster for the CBS affiliate in Milwaukee when I was a little wow. kid. But um, the, the amount of research that you do and you come up with, you know, these statistics and you go and you dig and you find the things that you're, you know, that, that can support your story. It's just, you know, a lot of the people who are out just watching you do what you do don't really understand how much of that you do and what it entails. I just want to tell you, I, you know, when I say you're the Oracle, I, I, I really do appreciate what you do and respect it because I know how much work and time and effort and mental, uh, you know, taxation you put into it. So I just want to give you, you know, the salute and say that I respect what you do. And, and I really, really appreciate you coming on here today. I know you're very, very busy. And, you know, I look forward to seeing more and more of you for, for years and years to come. Well, thank you for those kind words, Stephen. And I have great respect for what you do, too, even though you didn't know that. And I appreciate you. Do. And, Jerry, thank you for having me. And I wish both you guys all the luck in the world with this podcast. I'm sure it's going to be a big success. And thank you very much for your time today. Ladies and gentlemen, some of you have seen me go to the White Yeti Cup, the now famous White Yeti Cup, and you're wondering, what is he drinking out of that White Yeti Cup? Well, what I'm drinking has been supplied by today's sponsor, Futures Hero Antioxidant Coffee. Futures Hero is not just a great tasting coffee, which it is, but it's also roasted with the patented Healthy Roast technology, which retains 75%, Jerry, 75% of the naturally occurring antioxidants from the green coffee bean. Futures Hero comes in whole bean, ground, K-cups, and cold brew. Futures Hero Antioxidant Coffee. It's the healthy roast that's good for you. Ladies and gentlemen, you know, as if you're a uh, faithful watcher of the, of the podcast, you know we have the segment called You're Not That Good, where we find people out in the world who are doing things that they believe they are really, really good at. And some of them are and some of them aren't. But either way, they do something that makes us have to let them know, hey, you're not, you're that, not good. that good. Today, Jerry, you got the floor. Yeah, Stephen, this kind of breaks my heart because this comes from a guy that I truly admire. I respect. Uh, he's an NBA player. Uh, he played in the NBA Finals this season. Actually led the, the Heat to the NBA Finals. Uh, and I was rude for him and the Heat to win. They they lost to Jokic and uh, excuse me, Jokic and the and the Denver Nuggets. And there's a reporter that asked Jimmy Butler. You know, uh, obviously he cares about winning a, an NBA championship. But the discussion was, you know, are you a Hall of Famer? And now, I, asked, Jerry, let me stop you. Now, Jimmy Butler is a friend of mine now, so we're not going to – he's a buddy. I, he's a good buddy. I we love got the, Jimmy Butler. We got the same birthday too, Jerry. I I don't like Jimmy Butler. I love Jimmy Butler. Remember, I'm okay. from Chicago. I'm a big Bulls fan. I remember when Jimmy got his start with the Chicago Bulls. I actually partied with Jimmy Butler in Chicago one day. Uh, I'm a huge Jimmy Butler fan. Okay. 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 Uh, Continue. So this this really hurts me, actually. This really hurts me. Uh, so the reporter asked him if if he is elected into the Hall of Fame, you know, or, do, or do you consider yourself a Hall of Fame? He said, you know what? I don't care. This is Jimmy's words. I don't care about the Hall of Fame. If I'm inducted into the Hall of Fame, I'm not going to go. Now, now, Jimmy, Michael Jordan was inducted in the Hall of Fame. He went and gave a speech. Uh, Magic Johnson, Larry Bird, all the all-time greats, when they were honored as Hall of Famers, they showed up and gave, not only showed up, but gave a Hall of Fame speech. So, Jimmy, for you to say that if you're inducted into the Hall of Fame, that you're not going to show up, 
and this pains me to say this, Jimmy, I love you, brother, but you're not that good to say, hey, if I'm inducted in the Hall of Fame, I'm not going to show up. Brother, all the all-time greats uh, has showed up. So uh, if you don't show up, then I will show up. And, 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 and give your speech for you. And, and give the speech for you because I'm a huge fan of you, Jimmy. And I think he's being more on along the lines of saying, you know, I'm so laser focused on winning a championship and winning for the for the for the city of Miami and for the Heat franchise that he didn't really care about all that stuff. He's more focused on the task at hand. So I think once Jimmy is inducted in the Hall of Fame years from now. He's going to rescind that statement and show up. I think so, you're right, Jerry. I think he's I think he's going he's trolling. Jimmy has uh, adopted the role of, of a troll in the in the NBA. He's he's first of all, Jimmy is one of the smartest guys I know. I think I told you this story before, Jerry. We when we get when we hung out with uh, Jimmy and uh, our mutual buddy Stafford Schlitt, that evening ended in us playing a game called Are You Smarter Than Jimmy Butler? Jimmy Butler knows everything. <laughs> Jimmy Butler knows everything. You could not stump him in any kind of trivia. But that being said, Jimmy, you're, you're, look, you're my man, and I believe you are that good that you will have to make that decision about going yes. to the Hall of Fame. But, Jimmy, come on, bro. You're not come that on, man. good. You're not that good. You're not that yeah, good to not go to the Hall of Fame and give your speech. You have to give your speech, bro. I will be yes. disappointed personally if you don't go give your speech. The type of speech that you are capable of delivering has to be seen. You got to go, buddy. You got to go. My, my, my favorite this year, did you see when uh, before picture – Picture day, uh, you know, this season, he got dreads. Did you ever see yeah. that picture? <laughs> <laughs> That's what that I'm talking incredible. about. That kind of that stuff. We incredible. can't. He, he had to be trolling. I, he had to be uh, trolling. That's amazing. But it pained me to, to, to say that, but I'm sure Jimmy would get a kick out of it. Yeah, I'm sure he knows it's all in fun and games. Jerry, that was a great one. And, and I agree with you. I think that's something that. Wow. I mean, everybody's done it. Shaquille, everybody's done it. So, hey, very, very good installment of You're Not That Good, Jerry. Very, very good. Well done. Uh, for Adam Schefter, Stephen Bishop, this is Jerry Hairston Jr. for Hollywood Swing. <laughs>